Welcome to the Royal Tax Podcast with your hosts, Megan Templeton, Royal Legal Solutions Consulting Attorney, and Royal Legal Solutions CPA, MBA, and CFO, Pete Shindley. Each week, they talk about how to take your tax and financial strategy to the next level and learn how to build and scale your real estate investing business in a way that maximizes your returns and minimizes your taxes. This is for informational use only. For direct questions, please contact us or your local tax CPA accountant. All right. Thanks, everyone, for showing up today. Um, I know on the Discord channel, it said we talked about cost segregation. Um, I know we covered that earlier in the month, and we were going to ch- change uh, formats to kind of have the last uh, Tuesday of every month be kind of an open forum for tax questions. And also, uh, I don't have my home internet is out. Uh, they're doing a road widening project, so I'm on my phone. So um, if I cut off, I'll, I'll join back up. It's just I don't have an internet connection at the moment. <laughs> so what I'd like to do, though, is start with a breakout room and have that discussion be focused on how did your 2021 tax season go or how did the most recent tax filing work for you? Any pros or cons? that you want to share with the, the smaller group and then uh, with the big group. And then from there, uh, we'll just start answering tax questions or I can cover cost segregation again on a high level if people have questions on that. So, and then uh, Megan may be able to join a little later today if there's some legal questions, but uh, she couldn't make it at the start. So, um, anyone else have any tidbits they want to add or do we want to, can I step into some tax questions or maybe talk about uh, the spring season, at least where I live, everyone is doing yard work to their rentals and how to keep track of those receipts. <laughs> you know, I got a quick question for you that came up in, in ours. We were yeah. talking a little bit about professional real estate professional status and um, Jeff put his poor wife through uh, a real estate uh, courses and uh, to become a realtor. Uh, yep. And then uh, that was before he knew he was going to retire the next year. So yep. it, it got me thinking, you know, and, and maybe this is, it was more out of curiosity. If you retire, let's say halfway through the year and you're spending, you know, in a sense, you retire from a W-2 job that has nothing to do with real estate. Uh, mm-hmm. But then after that, you know, you're full time uh, in terms of you're retired from full-time work, but now you're just managing rentals and, maybe lending money out or something like that. Can you then declare professional status for that whole year or do you have to wait till the next year or you'll have to do 750 hours? I guess even if it's half a year, if you can fit in 750 hours, you're fine, right? Yeah, so it really comes down to always passing those three tests. You know, the first test was over half your time spent doing real estate professional activities what did you spend over that 750 hours and then did you make management decisions so you technically if it's it's not half your time i mean if it's half your time for half the year but the other half you had a w-2 uh is it kind of a gray area would you say or well yeah so if you had if you worked six months at a w-2 you know if you had vacation time in that w-2 you know, that could, you could theoretically argue you didn't work a full six months. You might have only worked five months, but been on a job for six months. Does, mm. does that make sense? 
It does. And you could have also been working hours on the weekend or even at night while you were still doing the W2 that could count towards that 750. Yeah. So as long as you had more hours working that you could document through scheduling calendars and so forth, then the W2 job, I think you'd be able to claim it because you'd meet that first test of over half of your time. Yeah. Working time was that. And then to get that, you would probably be over that 750 hours. Cool. I have a question regarding that professional uh, real estate professional status. Let's say if your rental has positive um, income, it has profit, uh, does claiming real estate professional turn that passive income into active income and you end up having to pay self-employment tax and all that? Yeah, in that instance, um, the real estate professional designation turns losses or profits into active. So any sort form of active income, depending on how you're set up, you do pay um, payroll taxes on. So you would pay that 15.3% in that instance on it. Wait, 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 wait. But, really, but not, not on your passive real estate or rental business. You wouldn't. Not on, not on the passive, only on the active portion. But yeah, I, guess I was confused by Julie's question. Maybe you understood, Pete. But I mean, Julie, are, are you saying if if you have positive cash flow in your rental business, do you have to pay active income? Well, it's not. It's not really cash flow. It's your profit and loss statement. So let's say you don't have a lot of depreciation, and then on your profit and loss statement, you do not have a loss. Uh, you have a profit. In that case, if you claim real estate professional, does that uh, profit, is that profit still considered passive or it turning to active because you are active real estate professional? Ah, no, this is a short answer. Okay, so if you have a loss, they let you but it, it, it's immaterial if you don't have a lot. If you don't have anything to write off from that passive loss, it's immaterial whether you're a professional status or not because you have no, unless you had losses from prior years. Uh, but but if you're a real estate professional with income, you're that's considered active. But if you had active in, if you had income from a rental, you you wouldn't claim that designation and you'd keep it passive. So Correct. you every year, so you can switch an on and off depending on that year. Is you don't have correct? to, you do not have to claim real estate professional every year or in consecutive years. It, it can switch. Well, maybe I, need I understand. I mean, I, okay, okay, got it. I have active businesses in real estate and I have passive businesses in real estate. And, you know, each entity is going to determine whether I'm passive or active. My rentals, I'm clearly passive. They're out of state. Yep. You know, I've got my lending business in California that's clearly active. So, uh, mm -hmm. if I, you know, with those losses, I declare professional status. You know, I got to pay payroll tax on my active business, but my passive rental business has losses that I can write off, you know, against, from what I understand, my active business. Yeah, so when you claim real estate professional, those losses or profits become active in essence and 
usually you claim real estate professional when you have losses because that offsets your active income. So you lower your tax rate. But if you have, if your rental has a profit, you would want to keep it passive because then you avoid everything. That's right. And then you do not want to claim real estate professional on that. I I If you have a profit, like let's say you have really old properties, you can't appreciate them anymore. Uh, They cash flow like crazy. You've got no debt either. Just because there's a profit there has nothing to do whether it's passive or active. So what am I missing here, Pete? Well, when she claims real estate professional, it turns it active. She has other... hmm. If that's how she claims it. So I wouldn't claim it. I'd, I'd keep it as a passive income so you don't have to pay those taxes on it. That's right. Because if you if you do not have a loss, what's the purpose of claiming as real estate professional? Well, because in my case, I have active businesses and passive businesses. Correct. So, uh, you know, if I want to use that loss against my active business. Now, are, is the only way for you to declare professional status or, I mean, is your only real estate activity rental properties? Uh, well, I'm a realtor, so I have active uh, business. So what I'm saying is, if, Chris, your rentals do not have loss, what are you going to do with the profit on your rental? You want to keep them as, as passive, right? Mm-hmm. And they are. Yeah. I, mean, I don't have to look. I, uh, yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, then there's no reason. Okay, so here's the disconnect. Whether or not I declare professional status doesn't change the fact that I'm always passive with my rentals and don't have to pay payroll taxes on them. Uh, Please tell me otherwise because... Pete just said it's otherwise. Yeah. Pete Pete just said if you claim real estate professional, it turns that rental profit into active. That's what I understand. Yeah, I'm going to need that explained to me because in my circumstance, I don't see how that would apply. But please correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. Well, passive losses, which would be from your real estate, which in essence would get paper losses because of depreciation. The only way those passive can offset the active income from your other businesses is to claim that real estate professional. Because that real estate professional changes that income from an passive activity to an active activity and that's why the active losses even that's if why you're really participating in the i mean uh, you know in the business if i have like a partner for instance that does all the day-to-day operations and i'm you know hmm interesting okay those would stay passive for you if you're not material participating which you would fill the third question on that those three questions that you have to ask Right, but my, okay, interesting. Okay, I have some questions for my accountant. <laughs> yeah, and again, he may be doing it a diff, uh, another way, but just passive income cannot set off active income. But we want to claim real estate professional because usually you have losses due to depreciation and then you want those losses to offset your active income to lower your, your active income. Yeah, mine's a little more confusing. Uh, well, at least it was in the past where I, all my properties were very, very old uh, yeah. and were already fully depreciated. So it was a kind of a different scenario. And, and I mean, 
benefit to me. They were cash flowing like crazy, but didn't have a ton of write-offs except for, well, we were also putting a ton of work into them. So a lot yeah. of expenses per se, but, uh, but all that income stayed passive, correct? Yeah. 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 Which is what you'd want in that scenario. Cause you avoid that payroll taxes. Then. Right. Right. So, and her question is if she has profit, you want that profit to stay passive. So you wouldn't claim real estate professional designation. Unless, and, and hear me out here, if you've got so many business, I mean, I, I'm trying to play this out in my head where if you've got enough write-offs, you know, you do the Augusta rule, you pay your kids, you just have tons mm -hmm. and tons of expenses and write-offs that in the end you're, you're making it active and you're paying, you know, 13% payroll tax, but your effective tax rate is still exceptionally low. I don't know. Is there? Yeah. If you, if you have active losses that can offset that income, then yeah, you could choose reps. And then in essence, your active losses from your other business and write-offs could, could do the reverse of what normally happens and offset that. You, you could do that approach. Yes. Yeah. And then depending on how low you can get your income to be from a tax wise, then it really wouldn't matter <laughs> if you can get close to zero. So, yeah, you know, living in California, I try to do that as much as possible. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I would agree. <laughs> Pete, I have another question regarding yeah. installment sale. My okay. understanding is that if you do, if you are a seller, you sell a house on installment sale, then you do not have to pay the capital again on the year of the sale. You could just defer it. Is that correct? Um, you, you, you're able to report a part of the gain for each installment payment. So I, I, I would, yeah, yes. Yeah, I would, I would probably want a little more detail, but you could theoretically say this first year was your basis and then have capital gains the rest of the final payments. But usually right. you, you, you report a portion based on each installment is usually That's how I correct. So. Right. So if I'm selling a property with installment payment, However, I sell it at a loss. Do I get to realize that loss on the first year or do I also have to spread it out with each installment? So you're selling at a loss and you're going to get a recognizable loss. Yes. You're asking if you can recognize all 100% in year one. Yes. Off the top of my head, I'm, I'm going to say probably not, but there might be a way that we're able to. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Because you're also going to have a bigger loss because you're going to have selling commissions and so forth as well, right? Is that what's creating the loss or? Uh, no, I could just be a capital loss. I bought it for one million and I sold it for nine hundred thousand. Uh, and then I have a 
100,000 loss, um, yeah. but it's uh, installment um, and I may be profit from the interest rate. Um, so if I yeah, so, sell sorry, a property at a loss, do I get to realize that capital gain on the first year to offset my other capital gains? Yeah, so per publication 537, Mm-hmm. Um, you can't use installment method to report a loss. So you would recognize the loss in the year you did the sale, the entire loss. Oh, you! I could, I could realize, I could report the entire loss on the first year. Yeah, for for losses, you have to recognize. Oh, that that. Oh, that sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, you can also choose to report all of your gain in the year of sale as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I guess nobody would want to <laughs> record that because then your capital well, it, it depends on your other tax situation, but you that's may right. want to. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's publication 537. 537. So, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you, you could report the whole gain. Even though maybe, I mean, especially if the installment sales for a number of years, even if you haven't received enough money in the first year to, to be a game. Uh, yeah, per, per the website there, um, you're able to, if you choose to, most people would not, but. No, no, you but could. I guess you're, you're, you're right. I mean, like if you knew your income for that year was going to be much, much lower than in, in future years, it might, uh be a good arbitrage play for, uh, yeah, effective tax rates. Correct. You know, and then if the installment sale goes bad in year two or three, I'm, I'm sure you would be able to write off the losses that kind of maybe partially offset that gain, but. But then like, why would you do the installment? I guess because if that's the only way you can sell it is an installment sale, even if it's a loss or a gain, that's why you would do it. But not the typical reason you do it in an installment sale. Right. Not a typical case, but maybe when you do the installment sale as a seller and you are charging a high interest rate on that installment payment, and maybe you have an option to buy it back later. So if you sell it at a loss, you could use that sale, you could use that loss to offset other gains. Oh, I love creativity like this. Just be careful if it's not a financial friend, wink, wink thing, uh, or happen too often, but, uh, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But and then what state is it in? Is it what's your high interest rate? Is it considered usury? All that fun stuff you want to kind of look into. Uh, that's go. right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Because most people do the installment sale to lower their tax gain for that year. So it's a little opposite. <laughs> This is interesting. <laughs> you got me thinking. Okay, thank you. Hmm. I like this idea. Has anyone done that before? Or is this all kind of an installment loss sell? What made you think of this, Julie? Oh, I have another one. You want to look here? Of course I do. <laughs> okay, so. If I bought a house for one million and then I 
turn around, well, I bought a house for one million and I did an installment sale. So I'm not paying that one million in that year. So I gave the seller a mortgage. And then I turned around, I sold that house for 900,000. And I walked the mortgage to another property that own, I own. So now I could realize a hundred grand loss, capital loss on that year to offset other gains. At the same time, I kept a, a finance. I walked that mortgage to another um, property. So for the first year, right away, I got 900,000 cash, right? Because I sold it for 900,000. But I don't have to pay the seller 1 million because that's an installment sale. So not only I got 900,000 cash right away, but also I get a capital loss of 100 grand. Okay, so you bought a property with a mortgage on it for a million dollars. No, not with a mortgage. It's, it's uh, let's say it's free and clear. I bought it and I pay the seller uh, with installment payment. Okay. I agreed to pay the seller with installment payment. And instead of giving that property as collateral, I give him my own house as collateral. So that 1 million house I bought is free and clear for me as well. And then I turn around and I sold it for 900,000. So now I have uh, 100,000 capital loss on that transaction. So the question I have for you, uh, because um, I, I love being really creative. Uh, the question is, what would that, would that property really have only sold for 900 grand? I mean, if I'm playing the IRS and I'm looking at this, is it a scheme? Is it really that she did this right from the beginning with this purpose? Right. Um, okay. You know, so why would, any, why would any rational person pay a million for something and then immediately turn around and sell it for 900 grand if it weren't for okay. this? That, that well, that's a good question. It doesn't have to be a uh, hundred grand difference. It could be just 50 grand difference. And you could say, you know what? I, I just couldn't sell that property uh, for that price. Mar market turned, um, in interest rate goes up for whatever, as long as it's not too big of a loss. Um, and as long as you have the comps or whatever to support uh, your, your sale, and then I'm just giving that as an example that you could get 900,000 cash right away. And you realize 100,000 loss as, as a cap capital loss to offset other income. Um, at the same time, you kept the Finance. How much time difference are, are we talking here since when you bought it and resold? Doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. That's my thought. Uh, Pete, do you see any? But, but the, the short term capital loss. Yeah. Are you, do you, you see are any you problem? Are you offsetting other capital strategy? gains? Yeah. Let's say I have uh, a stock gains. Can I okay. offset that? Long term. No, if I have short-term stock uh, gains, and then my real estate is uh, also a short-term 
capital loss. So yeah, your short term would go, your short term loss would offset your short term gains first. Mm -hmm. And if there's any left over, that you could apply that to your long term. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't be able to put that against any active income. Yeah, no, no. That's a capital gain and capital loss offset. Yeah. So you're in essence creating you're manufacturing a loss offset stock. Yeah. Gains. Yes. Oh, which interesting. Might it might. Because then you still own the million dollar house then? I guess that's where I'm... No, I sold I'm it. I'm not tracking. <laughs> no, so I sold, sold it. Million. So I, I bought for a million. I sold for 900000 I don't own that house anymore. Yeah. And then that 100000 loss, you get to sell 100000 in capital gain stocks, and then you're going to be back at a million. Is that kind of the idea? So that 100000 Loss from the sale of real estate uh, can offset my capital gain from stock market. Mm -hmm. Does that work? I, mean, I think I think what Pete's asking is like, uh, like why did you do this? I mean, is it because why? You a, yeah, I mean, he said it's a high interest rate, uh, and I mean, over time. Just trying to think here. Yeah, because you never. Yeah, you didn't lose a hundred grand. I mean, because it's an installment sale. Well, the original was an installment sale, and then you sell it at a hundred. Okay, I guess I'm getting lost a little bit. Well, so I sold it for cash. Why would I do it? Because I got the finance. It might be a 0% interest rate installment payment. So I get the... We sold the original the, guy a million bucks, right? I still owe him a million bucks, but I'm going to pay him in 30 years. So my benefit is coming from the uh the finance right off and then you have good finance or uh, right and then i get the tax benefit to offset the other gain right and then did you say when you okay and you got cash you got 900 cash i got cash exactly of which oh interesting you could do whatever you want then yeah. that's where that's the rub of doing the break even because the interest on that 900 is where you're why you're doing the deal. Yeah, what kind of rate are you paying on the mailing? To uh, I mean, is it a, a good low interest rate? It could be zero interest rate. Uh, yes, it depends <laughs> on how you negotiate. It could be negative, right? I mean, it could be any, I mean, there's a lot of different things. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's <laughs> it depends on it depends on the term. If it's uh, if the seller is too greedy, ask for ten percent. I won't do the deal. But that's what I'm asking. What did you get? <laughs> I I mean I want to get zero only if it's zero interest rate or less than three. I will keep that finance. Less than three, you said? Um, well, I hope you guys like so it. So when you, huh? at the end of the day, your million dollar installment uh, with interest when you're paying 30 years, what's that add up to? Um, Pete, I don't really care what it add up because the future payment is worth a lot less, right? So it's a lot, it's, it's arbitrage of what you put that 900 credit. 
interrupt uh, it to, yeah. to work at. And did you have, did you have something in mind to put that nine hundred to work? Well, I could buy another rental property that has a good cash flow. Yeah, and then you can use that cash flow to make those payments. Yeah. That, that yeah. first and, and take the uh, yeah, and and arbitrage take the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm just curious because if you know if your installment's one point four million, but the nine hundred thousand you're able to turn into like one eight your mm-hmm. investments. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I was asking about that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, oh, I was, go ahead. the arbitrage, I mean, that's really all you're doing on that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Um, my, my biggest issue with, with things like this is that, um, well, and I, I usually hear about things like this and it's a smaller gain and it's like, it's not necessarily repeatable. I mean, you could repeat this, but I wouldn't repeat it too often because then it really looks suspicious. But, uh, you know, even a one-off to make, to have 900 grand cash. To play with. <laughs> you don't have to do it too often. Like once yeah. a year, it'll be awesome. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, you got me thinking. Yeah. No, okay. That's... I have to go guys. Thank it's you. I love arbitrage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, thanks for showing up today and sharing that. Bye. Thank you. Want more information? Join our community groups that exist to provide a space for like-minded people on a similar journey to learn, share, and network with real estate investing professionals and entrepreneurs. We meet weekly for an hour in Zoom to offer knowledge and accountability. Be sure to grab the link in our show notes. So I have a question. The other issue with that approach was she was putting that loan not on the property, but on our primary residence. So you're really putting your primary residence, you know, whatever accumulated equity you have there, you have to assume you have a million dollars to, to cover it. Right. Yeah. Depending on if you want to do that. Yeah. I, I, I would have to see it on paper to get a total. I don't know how you find a property where you sell it for less than you uh, bought it in this, this market where, what did prices go up across the U.S. 15 to 20% last year? It's kind of tough to yeah. pull off. <laughs> when I know people here where I live in uh, Boise, oh. we're about ten, 10 months out on houses being built. Yeah. So, so people will drop 20 grand on a lot. But essentially, it's, have- it's maybe a more complicated way of just doing a HELOC. If you need to free up cash and you've got equity yeah. in your primary residence, you could use it as equity and do this thing that, that Julie did, or you could go off. The problem with that, and I was thinking that too, is is that uh, with interest rates going up, to be able to lock a low interest rate over thirty years, which right. with the HELOC is yeah. pretty uh, intriguing. Um, yeah. So if you go, that's I guess the other opportunity. If you're trying to, if you can find somebody who wants to sell and is willing to finance it for thirty years, which is kind of an interesting thing be able to find a seller that'd be willing to wait 30 years to get all their money who can just offer you a killer interest rate that gives you access to interest rates you might not be able to get on the open market yeah but i, I guess i don't know a seller that's going to give an interest rate this, this precise well, she, she she may have overpaid right she's basically yeah. saying that perhaps she paid a million dollars for a nine hundred thousand dollar house so the seller's like 
I'll give you a 0% interest rate if you pay me $100,000 more than my house is worth. Right. I mean, there are some yeah. people that are so stuck yeah. on the price they sell it at that they just don't understand the numbers and you could practically get, all right, I'll give you that, but this is going to be my payment and it ends up equaling zero. Yeah. This interest rate. I mean, I'd love to get it. I hear people who've done it. I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah my, my issue is when you, when you look at the loss, when you look at the low interest rate, um, it could be a hundred percent legitimate, but it's just, you know, you get one auditor to kind of look at that and it's like, that seems a bit fishy that you're able to, A, you know, why would you sell at a loss? You know, B, you're getting a, maybe a high interest rate on what you put that into and then C, the low interest rate you're paying on on the, uh, the original or the second purchase. So it, there's a lot of things in there. I, I love creative and I don't mind being in that gray area, but it's not necessarily repeatable on a long-term basis, and it's kind of a little bit fishy. You know, I just couldn't get it out of my head that the seller would be incentivized to take payments for the next 30 years versus well, I, selling it out for a certain price, right? If it makes you feel any better, Alex, I mean, it, this, the, the sale point is just like, where are you going to put the money? Well, I'm going to be putting, I mean, a lot of other people, they only want, they don't trust stock market. They want to put it in the bank. Well, you can have that conversation with them. Well, how about you be the bank? Your collateral is something you lived in for 30 years and you know it. So if I don't perform, you're getting your house back uh, and you're getting a, you know, 10 times higher interest rate than you would be getting it just by sticking it in the bank. Uh, and, you know, some people, I mean, it's the same kind of person who wants an annuity. I mean, they get a, a constant monthly payment on something they just never have to worry about. So, yeah, when you're, when you're surrounded by real estate investors, it's like, who would ever accept that? But a lot of average people, they don't want the hassle. They're happy they're getting something higher than they would in the bank. And they're happy that their collateral is a property and location they know very well. Did I sell it well? <laughs> I just I just can't get over it. I hear you, you know on the, on the other side, yeah, for the, for the seller. Look, I've tried it a couple of times, and it's I agree with you. It's 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 an option, but it, and it's one that a lot of gurus like to talk about a lot. But uh, you know, I have, financing I, is always something. You know, it, it's like a question everybody should ask when you buy a property from somebody. It's like you know, if you develop a relationship with them, it's like, what are you going to do with the money? Yeah. Because uh, owner financing, you know, not having it on your record, you know, not having to do with your credit and, uh, you know, having things subject to or, or owner financing is a benefit. And, and too many people are too afraid to ask the seller. I, I understand all that part, but I'm just thinking, you know, to connect with a seller that would accept that type of a term. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be somebody that you have a relationship with. And so now I'm thinking, well, I have a sister owns two homes. She's ready to exit. She's operating adult family home and she's fine financially. Right. And I say, okay, let me think about this. Does it really make sense to get this payment? Because she doesn't really, would she do it given her situation, knowing what I know about her? I just can't figure out a way how to incentivize her to take monthly payments over a 30 years too long, right? I mean, there's got to be some period. It says, okay, cash me out in the next five, 10 years. Maybe that. Isn't, isn't the other thing, and maybe Pete can chime in, isn't the other thing when people do this installment sell, they're not realizing that capital gain all in one point. They're realizing over that time. So their tax obligation 
is much lower. Is that right, Pete? Isn't that one of the advantages? Yes. 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 So the installment, so you could choose the gain all in one year, but most people do it over the life of the installment. So, so Alex, a portion you know, that's of that. So, so I understood that to be the A million dollars over, you know, whatever, one year and having that be 50% tax bracket, yada, yada, yada. Somebody gets it over 30 years. That's $30,000 a year paid at whatever the tax bracket is, 12% instead of 40%. So yeah, if she's financially in a good position, then maybe that your angle with her is the tax benefit. Assuming. Well, that's where my, my mind is taking me, that there, there must be something there that would incentivize her to make sense, right? Um, oh, there's another thing, too. Now, you want to buy the property from her? Is that what you said? Well, actually, there's not so much for me. It could be my son, it could be my daughter, and it could be my, my nephew, right? Okay, so you want to buy the, I mean, okay, you or somebody you control wants to buy the property from her. Yeah, it's just that, you know, back to the Augusta rule, right? So there are these very creative things to do it. You could justify it and work it right, and it benefits them. So yeah. I'm looking for, you know, this is a home that where we grow up in, but the operate to adult family home, half an acre. I mean, actually, you can shortcut the property to, to three properties, valuable property, but for what it's worth today, should be willing to work out some sort of a payment arrangement with one of the nephews. That's what kind of triggered my thinking. I said, does it really work? Because she really doesn't, you know, she, she wants to help uh, them get a house, but they, they can't afford, they can't qualify to get it cashed out. So she's willing to carry it for a little bit. At least that's what she related to me. So when Julie said an installment payment over time, I mean, what would incentivize her? And Jeff, back to your point, you know, the tax implication, right? So here, here's another wrinkle to this. That property actually belongs to my parents. My dad passed away. My mom is still there. They worked out a deal. So taking care of them all, all these years. But when she passes, that situation happens. And she's got that all work out with her attorney. That chair verse. That's why she doesn't want to do anything until my mom, you know. Alex, is this in the United States? This is in the U.S. It's here. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me for being particular here but no, no no worries i'm just i'm just you oh, know trying to relate to what julie brought to the table and so can that really work well i'm trying to figure out what her basis is i mean because if your parents oh, recently passed, yeah it's that? a very significant amount that the home but, is probably somewhere around by the time they made the deal was somewhere around 300 350 but the home is worth you know over a million now okay so she you guys inherited the house not me, my, my sister, yeah. She oh, will. So she inherited, she inherited once so my mom. Is around three fifty, and it's worth about a million? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, have you explored 1031-ing with her? I mean, so that she, well. I, I, I haven't had those discussions with her, but, um, you know. It sounds like, well, another thing, too, to keep in mind is that, I, I look, I don't know what your relationship is with her. If it's, if it's, if it's positive, she can be a little bit difficult. But you it's positive. It's What's yeah. that? It's, it's positive. What? It's good. It's it's. If I do it, it's to help her. We have good relationship. Our family is really tight knit. So Got back it. to when I brought up the Augusta rule, right? It's it's because they have this. Can they benefit from it? And so I'm looking at it the same way for my sister because eventually she'll. Well, I mean, have you home. considered and in, uh, whatever plan you have for it? You know, the other option is to have her as a partner. Right. You know, and, and yep. it's in whatever share, you know, that you guys agree upon uh, that she would get a part of it. So that's that could be a benefit. Um, 
And, and check this out. That home is an adult family home. So it's got cash flow. It's got enough vision to cash flow it. So she's even tried to offer that to one of the caregivers and says, hey, um, if you're interested, I can have you, you know, buy the business and it's cash flowing for the next two years. But she needs to lease out the property. Right. That's all she like I said, she's not. You could have a, like a, where she becomes the, the lender, uh, gets a preferred return, but also gets a small percentage of any business that's run on the property too. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's how I do some of my fix and flip deals where I'm loaning the money is that I get a guaranteed return then plus a certain percentage of the profit on resale. Uh, but that can also work for if it's an active ongoing business. So the uh, situation is that these are... <clears throat> Uh, two properties, both of them are adult family home. And the K2, the one I'm referring to you, is she's willing to be very flexible with my nephews and nieces, right? In terms of they can't afford it, fine. You can just make payments until you can afford it. You know, it's sort of like that kind of a deal, right? Okay, now I'm a little confused. So you're saying that the families live in the house? It's an adult family home. Oh, I, I'm thinking like a senior living kind of situation. It is. This is an assisted living where you take care oh, of. Oh, so these nieces and nephews that we're talking about elderly people. We're not oh, talking no, that, that, the nephew is young. The home is an adult family home. So it's got patients in there. It's creating business. It's got cash flow. Is the nephew a part owner? You see, this is where I'm, I'm losing you. What, what does the nephew have to do with this? The nephew is interested and the nephew sort of help around the house to help some of the garden work and the rest of it. But he doesn't work directly in there in the adult family home. My sister just wants to help them, uh, you know, uh, own a home, I, I suppose. Okay. So what you're proposing is that they, your nephews would own now nephew. That means that's not her kids. No, it's not okay. her kids. Got it. Got it. So you want some of your nephews, nieces, whatever to, uh, potentially buy the property from her and then she gets, I mean, in your mind, the best of a situation would be some kind of installment sale or some kind of payments. That was it. I was, I was trying to incorporate what we just learned from Julie. Do they have any experience doing this? I mean, if his experience right now was gardening on the property, do you think he could run a business in, in owning this property? Uh, he can. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that's, that, that's not hard because there's already an, uh, um, an aid, um, you know, uh, basically taking care of the patient. So it's ongo ongoing turnkey business. It's operating, all right? Hey, so so hey. She, she doesn't have to necessarily run that himself. But the point is that if he's just interested on the, on the property, the home, because it's it's worth, it's got the underlying value because you can short it into three properties, right? So he could sorry, have, you that one to three properties? You can- it, it, The property is, is large, it's over half an acre. And then it's the city of Kinmore, so allows you to short plot it to three properties. Oh, yeah. So it's a, it's a valuable piece of property. Okay. Um, interesting. That's I mean, your option too is not to sell it at all and just to keep it in the family and not have to incur any of those costs. But you create an LLC or, or some kind of you know something where. Well you, well, you deed the property into a, a land trust and then that, the beneficial interest of the land trust is something that you all have ownership into. Um, yeah, You know what? You just need to talk to her more to see what she needs. 
it's, it's her property. So, I mean, wh whatever benefits she needs and whether it's purely to help out the cousins or excuse me, the nephews, well, that's one thing. Then what does she, what does she want from it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And then are, are you, are you truly benevolent, benevolent in this? I mean, are you, or did you want, I mean, look, you deserve some, you know, benefit for your time that you're going to put into this. So is that going to be a one-time payment or is that going to be helping with the ongoing business? Um, it's just uh, in my, my thought around it is, you know, if there was a way to make that transaction move forward, you know, based on what Julie said and all that stuff, right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be my nephew. It could be my daughter, right. That I could work, a deal out with my sister, right? And do it this way. So why are we involving the kids? Uh, I'm going full circle here. Oh, I, I, I'm saying, or it could be this person or that person. Are, are you mean because I, are I'd you love a surrogate for you? Or I'd or? love I'd love to have them to have a home. It's really expensive. It's tough for them, those millennials, to own a home here uh -huh. in Seattle. It's very expensive. Yeah. And currently they don't have a home. They have a family. They have three kids. So they moved to Nashville. I'd like to bring him back home to Seattle. What did you call the property? An adult living? What did you call it's it? It's an adult family home. So basically, it's an adult assisted living. Okay. Uh, so you have basically uh, geriatric care, you know. Uh, yeah. Really people that lives in a home. Uh, it's like a nursing home, except it's you do this inside a home. It's more. Right. And that's what I thought it was. But then when you start bringing up the kids and they haven't owned a home, so, so I was like, are they living there or oh, they're no. just running a business from there? Is, so I was getting kind of mixed messages. Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Um, OK. So how, how old are they? Are they young? Are they in their 20s? Are they in the teens? Are they their 30s? The nephew. Which, which the one? Father, my nephew? Oh, my nephews are in their 30s. Did they express an interest in wanting to run a business? I mean, you know as well as I do, not everybody's built to be an entrepreneur. It's not so much running that business. It's it's the house, owning the house, right? Owning the property. The fact that it's a, currently an adult family home. This is in Seattle? Huh? This is in Seattle? This is in Seattle, correct. Because there's a whole nother. I mean, I was originally going to say if it were anywhere else but Seattle that, you know, why even put it in their name? Have them, you know inherit it from you guys because then they can get a step up in basis and you can still have them in on the business making money, but you're in Seattle. And I don't know. I mean, if there's one thing I know about Seattle is that it has its own uh, death taxes that other parts of the country don't have that you got to keep in mind inheritance right. tax. Right. Um, so you may want to hold off on having them have any ownership until, yeah. until later, uh, you know, because of that. Yeah, and, and I believe that very point is part of the reason why my sister is holding off not doing anything with the property because there's a transfer. And I think she's prepared the legal document to basically address that issue that you just brought up. Okay. And then to avoid probate and the rest of it, right? Now, is this a property that she owns outright or, or that you... She worked, out, she worked out a deal with my parents and uh -huh. this has been going on for a long, long time that uh, because this is an adult family home, she's managed to essentially work out a deal with them for the two properties. And for as long as they live, they can live there, they can do whatever, right? And there's no change of, of ownership. She lives there. My mom still lives there. Your mom still lives there. Yeah, okay. we, we have two homes there. Yeah. Okay. It's starting to make more sense to me now. Yeah. Okay. So it's really just a, a family situation where I'm trying to, based on what Julie had brought up, you know, is that, is that, but your sister, in terms of her, does she 
Okay, who owns the property now? Uh, it's still my my parent, right? Oh, okay. So your parents own it. My mom, because your my mom. dad passed away, right? Got it. So your mom owns it, hundred percent ownership, right? Yes. LLC, personal name. Personal. Okay. Uh, who will both will both of you inherit the property, or will she only at this point? She and then only, anything she, changed. Well, yeah. How's it set up right now? Yeah, so she only, she's the oldest of uh, all the siblings. There's 10 of us, but she's the one that's taking care of my parents. She's the one that's running the family home. She's the one that's providing them some financial assistance. This is your long way of telling me that she will be the sole owner. Yeah, and I have no issue with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, I'm just, I'm just trying to feel it out and uh, see, I mean, if her interest is, I mean, does she want the nephews to own it rather than her? Well, from she her perspective, have it. I mean, she could. I mean, she hasn't inherited it yet. You could. Have, you could change the will to where it goes directly to them instead. Um, that's an option, and then you don't have to worry about uh, a double transfer tax if that's her what she wants eventually anyway. Um, you could even do that in a way where they inherit it, and she still has some measure of control. Um, there's so, I mean, you know this, there's so many different ways to do this, right. but you started this conversation with installment sale. Right. So that's where I'm. Well, of- because, um, you know, if that was just an installment or payment of sort, whether it's my daughter or my nephews can afford that. Right. But they cannot afford to buy the house outright. They just are not financeable. They don't have the down payment. Let's just say. Well, I mean, that can be easily resolved with, a third party or, or you or, or whoever with the down payment. Um, and, you know, that could be worked out um, and be the first time a parent is helped out with the buying of a first home, but this is an investment property. They wouldn't be living there. Correct. When you say they, you, who are you referring to? Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause you, I My was nephew? Saying, nephew, your daughter. Who, uh, you wouldn't live there. They would buy it to, in order to, to live there and make it their primary home, right? Because currently they, they don't have a home. Hmm. So then the business would go away. And the business would eventually, right, exactly. That was the point, right? So they weren't really focused on the business. They were focused on the real estate. But the fact that there's a business and it's going, it's turnkey, there's somebody that's taking care of the patient for the time being, that income can be generated until uh, in, in that situation, you still have. have um, Is it a mixed use area? Uh, no, no. Well, it's not mixed use. How can they change it over to a primary? It's a residential property. That's oh, what am I saying? Oh, it's zoned so that it, I, I yeah. see. It's residential, but you can have that family home. But you also mentioned that you could parcel out the land and, and the land is what's really where most of the value is, right? Yes. So split into three lots or two lots or whatever and, and maybe build another property that they can live in and, and still maintain the business. Oh, it's huge. On the, you know, the post-sale, whoever will take that over and do those type of development for highest and best use. And the city itself, it's actually the city of Kinmore, allows for ADU additional building unit. So that or if I, oh, you know what I would, I mean, is, this, is it a good business? I mean, is it, is it really yeah. cash flowing? Has it been for years? The adult family home? Yeah. 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 Man, I mean, it's, it's you know, like 20 grand. Awesome a gift to your nephew and your daughter would be to build out two additional <laughs> buildings, house, well, not just houses, but uh, adult living houses 
but construct it with a living quarters for their family, you know, for them as part of the house. Well, how many, how many beds did you say it was? Uh, four bedrooms. Four bedrooms. I mean, you, you could conceivably, well, I don't know. I mean, every county is different, but I mean, if it's you could licensed find, to have five patients and, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you can make it, well, if you're building a house, I mean, you can do anything you want. Uh, I mean, I mean, is it even better to do like one third, like keep the property on as little as, as you can and then split it out, maybe just to one other large lot and then, uh, or, or add on to the current house uh, and add more bedrooms. Uh, I, I don't know what it's zoned for or how many, but then you split out the lots and do as many as you can, but also have it where there's living quarters for your nephew or your daughter too, if, if they want to live, have a place to live. I mean, the most expensive thing, you know, is, is usually the property. And I'm assuming most of the one million worth right now is in the property. Is on, is the land? It's the land. Yeah. Not the building. Correct. Well then build a couple more. I mean, and, and you're, you're talking about how easy it is to subdivide. I would just, I'd split yeah, it yeah, up. The average home here in Seattle is uh, the median home is over a million. Yeah, I would. I mean, if you've got if you've got the land and you've got this, yeah. the county behind you and you've got a successful business, you need to find a way to increase that business and and give them a place to live. And, and I, I yeah, that's that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah. And it was really along those lines, Chris. I was I was looking at it. You, you know, highest ambition choose for the land, and then since it's a family affair, there's not really a you know the seller. My sister doesn't really. She's financially, um, you know, independent. And mm -hmm. she doesn't need additional income to make the sale. So she's fine, but she wants exit, right? She's in her 70s. She, she doesn't want to be tied to the adult family home. She just wants to get, get it done, retire, and, you know, enjoy life, travel. Well, yeah, then that, the best thing, I mean, even at, and the best thing for, for you or for the nephew, I mean, is to have a, to have a loan. I mean, it, 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 if you've got a successful business on there, that's spitting out income. Um, I mean, in a sense, they're buying the business. I mean, it's who's getting the income from this right now? So currently, it's an adult family home with patient with cash flow, right? So that's the, that's the business. And your mom owns it, so she's getting the cash flow, or do you have a? a well, a, my my sister really owns the business, and she's operating the business. Your sister is correct. And I think, my, by the way, my sister is a nurse practitioner. And she, but she wants out. So but she, she wants out, correct. So she doesn't want to be involved in the business anymore. Well, she wants to retire. <laughs> She's been doing this for, you know, for a long time. Well, th that, that opens up another question. If she ran it and it's a successful business, and this is really important to think about, uh, can this business be successful without her? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it, or I mean, do you have any experience with the, or, or yeah, does your yeah. daughter or nephew or anybody have? Yeah, we have we have access to that. My family is in the medical healthcare, so my wife runs a, a nursing agency, so we have access to nurses and uh, home care aid and the rest of that. So, do you know what she wants from this? I mean, ideally, she just wants it sold and just to take the money, or does she want? I mean, is she open to the idea of monthly payments? Have you breached this conversation with her? I have not. That's why I. <laughs> That's why that gets engendered from that from that idea, right? And just say, okay, here's the situation, and uh, you know, I just want to help my family, right? So if, I, I'm going to assume 
that she feels the same way as you do. Yes. This is about family and this is about, and she's financially independent. So she doesn't need the money. She just wants to, well, if she retires, she's not going to have the income from this anymore. So you should say she's financially independent, but she's financially, is she financially independent because of the income from this property of which she's going to have to find some, okay, you're shaking your head. No. So I'm assuming that's not the case. She has a business, she has other income. She has many patients and the other home is also an adult family home. And they're, you know, cash flowing about 20, uh, 20,000, 20, 30,000 30, a month. Just one of the homes. Yeah, interesting. Well, then it's really not about, it's more about you coming up with a good plan and expressing to her and show how it's going to benefit the family than it is about her selling and being out. I mean, that's correct. I mean, you know, to your point, right? So the highest and best use for the property, we know the property is large enough and we know how it can be zoned. So if you develop it, it's going to be a lot more valuable if you could do that, the short plot, and then build on that, right? And yeah. For the land itself, for the business, for the time being, while you're going through getting your permits and so on, you got cash flow ready. That's not your core plan, but at least you have income coming through. And if that's the case, but since she's the one to be out, somebody has to step in, whether it's my nephew, my daughter can say, okay, here's the plan. Here's how we can acquire it, but they have another plan to develop it. I guess that's I, I love it. I mean, you got a huge economies of scale there too with, you know, they're right next door to each other. You could share the same nurses, share the same, you know, director or something overlooking it all. You could, if you're creating the two residents, it could even be something where whoever's looking over it might have, a, I mean, sales expensive. I mean, you could, you could have it where the management is on site yeah. 24 seven because they actually have their own quarters there. Yeah. So check this out, Chris, right? So these are two adjacent properties. They're a little over half an acre each. Both of them together, it's over an acre. They literally occupy half a block. And you both? Or yeah, between the two homes. I mean, you literally walk the one block, you occupy one half block. I mean, these are large properties. And when I talked to the surveyor, because I was trying to help her and said, look, you know, if she was going to sell it from the somebody from the outside, I was going to stop her. I was going to say, Okay, wait a minute. Make sure you understand. So that's why I put the effort to help her. And so I, I got a surveyor to do that. And I got a bid exactly to do that. And he just said to me, he says, look, Alex, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do the whole property, both of them, since I'm going to be doing it right away. So immediately, just that investment alone, the bid I got was like 80000 80, to do the short plot, right, uh, for this thing. But that's just for one property. But but you can see just, just that one move alone can can drastically change the valuation of the property and the potential. Alex, I, I apologize for repeating myself, but how many beds can you are you allowed to do in the county per property? On the adult family home, you can get licensed for six, but for the most part, uh, five maximum. Okay. okay. Um, and you do six, but have one of them not be part of the long-term care, but more somebody's living there? Oh yeah, I mean the, the home is the the home actually is the primary home, the first home we call it K one is is a big big home, right, right, right. No prop, no problem for the caregiver where they need to stay. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean you, the future is going for. I mean, the baby boomers are getting older. You're going to have zero problems keeping it busy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I would bet you would get, I mean, I would even look into the uh, the county and, and see if you can get some kind of incentives. 
because the they are just searching. I mean, nationwide, more and more for yeah. facilities like this. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. They might yeah. get some really great tax benefits or a really low cost loan to build this out. Uh, it might you might want to have a talk with your sister about keeping her on until you get those tax benefits just because it's showing successful business with the same person in charge, uh, you know, to do that. And then, but have a plan with her on, on how to get her out. Yeah. I'm glad we had this discussion because, you know, it's one of those things. It just go to the top of mind when the situation comes up, they got triggered today. And of course this discussion kind of forces me because there's so much that we know, right. That we've covered that given that type of asset, that kind of situation with the family that, the highest and best use, what sort of deal structure, the fact that she wants to exit out, she's not really financially uh, strained, she doesn't need the money, but she would like to exit. So com- coming up with the right solution. Is she there too? Best. And I'm huh? sorry, again, I'm repeating myself. Does she still live there? Right? Does she live yeah, there? She, she still lives there now. Is she going to want the main to house? I'm sorry? You're going to want to continue to live in that house? Uh, I think the main house, she'll continue to operate that as an adult family home for the time being, but she really wants to retire. But that's what I'm saying is when she retires, does she want to continue to live there? Uh, she could or she could, you know, I mean, she can. Yeah, places also. Okay. I mean, yeah, she, there- that would not be an issue for her where she can. Yeah, she can afford it. They're, they're really between her and her husband. They're financially, um, you know. They're well off. They're well off, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I, this is a great opportunity. I mean, for your family. Uh, and I, I think put some structure around it before you talk to her and then go talk to her and, and let her do most of the talking, find out it is what she wants. I yeah. mean, this is hers, this is her baby. And, and, uh, if she's, she's, she's really open, Chris. I mean, in my family, uh, there's 10 siblings, right? She's our eldest, um, uh, girl and then followed by my brother and so on. And I'm number five, but I'm the one that's sort of focused on the business. In fact, I was the one who really started the whole family to go into the adult family home business. So we've been in the adult family home business and playing stressed out for all these years. But she's also the eldest. She's the one that took care of my parents. And she's the one that was able to leverage my parents' home to convert that to adult family home, the primary home. And then they end up buying the neighbor's home when they retired. So that's why they end up owning the two homes and then operate as an adult family home. Has she, you know, another thing you might want to bring up with her is where you keep it as a business, you bring the family in, you expand it, but she gets to retire from doing this. Does she do this full time? I mean, is this her only, her only thing? No, she, because like I said, she's a nurse practitioner. So she actually has lots of geriatric patients that she goes uh, house yeah, facilities. Yeah. She's like the, the primary physician for, for them. Yeah. Uh, can't, yeah. Hey, you give it. My wife is a physician. She just in the other room heard this and she said no understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can, how yeah. about? I mean, hey, you're giving me some ideas there. You're right, you know, but she doesn't know. She doesn't. I, mean, I was just saying, could she do this part time, just kind of like as a medical director and overseer? Exactly, uh, become a medical director. Mostly retired travel. Yeah. Or maybe even do this with a partner, you know, get another nurse practitioner uh, and, and they, they trade off. So one can go travel and the other's there and uh, you expand it and it's constant income, but she doesn't need it. Um, you know, I tell you what, um, you know. Um, are either your nephew or, or your daughter, are they 
in the medical field? Uh, no, but they are familiar with it because they've been around it. Let's let's put it that way. My daughter. And, yeah, and but you're going to need somebody that replaces your, your your sister. You need a medical professional on staff. Uh, yeah. So my my to pay for through teeth, or ideally, you would have a family member that has a an interest. Right company succeeding and doesn't have to take a, a huge. Uh, so my, my other sister is also in the medical field. She's actually the manager for the adult family home. My younger sister. sister. So, yeah. And, and we all, it's a very tight family. So. It sounds like this is something you could easily work out with her. If, if, if she is family oriented as you are, which she is, I can tell. And she has no need uh, for, you know, income then it's really just coming up with a really good plan with a good that's plan. good for the family. Yeah, yeah. And then you got me to you got me to really think it through now, seriously, because you know it's one of those that's gonna happen, right? My mom triggers it, she's in her 90s, and actually she's requiring 24-7 care. She's made provision for all, all these years to get that all prepped. And she now has this property, but she also wants to retire. She's in that situation. That's why she's she she has a willingness to to give, to give to help. But, but if a, another plan can be put in place that would e- enable to maintain the best for all the properties, continue with something, have it managed, you can oversee it, generate income, that, that would be the best scenario. Alex, uh, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I, I would certainly look into this if you don't. Is the, the whole Seattle with the transfer, uh, you know, estate tax, that's separate from every the whole other country. Right. I don't know how onerous that is, but I, I do have friends from that area that have transferred a lot of assets out of their name into their kids' names early because it was going to be so onerous. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something you need to look into mm-hmm. because it might be beneficial to have that transferred out of your mom's name mm-hmm. earlier rather than later so you're not dealing with a significant tax hit. Uh, I mean, above... Uh, yeah. 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 And you're right. Thank you, Chris, for taking the time. And then I know we have some people here uh, listening to this. Uh, this is one of those scenarios, right? And like I said, last week, I shared with you my my other sister, my brother-in-law who runs his business and they've got this big yacht, right? That's just sitting there. Um, but it, it is that kind of a situation. But you made me really think that, yeah, I need to get, really give it some serious thought and put some sort of a structure that would help everybody. Yeah. That would help her. Well, yeah. that's tax efficient, helps out the family and, and makes mm-hmm. the most sense to everybody. And if her desire is not necessarily the income from that or to get the cash from that, then it's really just coming up with a, a good plan uh, ahead of time. That's great for the family. Yeah. And in fact, I would like my daughter, uh, the, the, the personal part of me wants to, to bring them back home, you know, and my three grandchildren, they moved to Nashville, primarily for that, because it's very expensive here. They wanted their independence. They figured they go to Nashville, they'll have a better chance in buying their own home. And, but they love Seattle. Enough. I mean, it, it's, it's full, it's one acre if you include both properties. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and then does your sister get both? She's, she's going to get both. Yeah. When my, my mom, and you're okay with this? Why? We're, we're okay because, you know, she's been there. I know, I know. you told me why. And I'm sure there's other yeah. reasons and things. Of them, siblings them. And they worked out a deal years ago when my dad was alive. Like, Got it. Yeah. Got it. 
But uh, it sounds like, I mean, are you the only one of the, is it five siblings? There are 10 of us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are, are any of the other ones involved in real estate or is it predominantly you or? Yes, my uh, my younger brother, I lost him on COVID. He was only 56 years old last year, September. He was an attorney and real estate, Chris. Mm. I was, I was, well, we're still, can't believe it. I'm yeah. so sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate all this. And then, uh, but one thing for sure, though, thanks to Julie bringing that up because he just sort of brought this home. And this discussion made me really think seriously that I'm the one that can probably play that role because I know more than any of my siblings. And if I don't do that, then that's something that we don't know what will happen. Well, it's a few things. One, you're at the whim of, of uh, well, of the, of the city, you know, to, or of how much you're going to get taxed. Uh, if you do nothing. Uh, and then, I mean, it sounds like you, that's a lot of siblings. Um, and yeah. in one way, it's actually good that she's the one who's inheriting it because if it's all 10 of you, that can get very convoluted. I know plenty of people where that's. Uh, my wife just went through best. that. There were eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, it took them over a year to clear probate. Yeah. But uh, it, I mean, it, it, unless you can acquire land and properties around that property, that would be less than building which I don't think is the case at this point now, although it was not too long ago. Uh, your value is in that land. I would build it out. And that's a business that's only going up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, as, if, as long as you feel like you can staff it and, uh, and you can get it running, but are you going to do it? No, I don't want to yes. run an adult family home, but just like what I've done. After for, your sister is not involved in it anymore. That's what I've done all these years for my for my siblings, basically get them set up in business. I was the one who got them set up in the adult family home business years ago. Okay, so it, it can withstand her leaving. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You sound confident. Okay, so that's that's good. It's not a any particular reason you haven't already expanded. Oh, it's the family is satisfied to a certain point. You don't really want to get it to uh, built where. You know, it adds to the stress. <laughs> and do you like the independence and control? Lack the independence and control. Oh, you mean of any? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there something to, is there any debt on this property? Uh, no, in fact, because, you know, the, the home's been owned for a long, long time. I mean, if there's anything there, it's very minimal. Yeah, most of it is just equity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, Chris, on the, I mean, it's like, how much is your time worth? And I mean, I would only personally family or not, I would only do this like the expansion and the increase in business. If, well, if, if I was involved, I, I mean, so it, well, it, I, I almost, it, yeah, I almost, so I'm actually, uh, Charlie knows this. I'm familiar with, you know, real estate, real estate development. I have people that's in that business and also in the medical, in the healthcare <coughs> Even in the staffing, we have access to all the medical personnel. But I haven't focused enough, long enough to say, maybe I should. I just sort of, you know, something that's going on on the side, it wasn't really a priority until uh-huh. the situation has come up. And then I realized that if I don't make it a priority, who will, right? Uh-huh. And because it's such a valuable asset be- between the two. And those are really our parents, and that's where we grow up, you know, at the end of the day. And my sister doesn't know enough about business to understand even a fourth of what we're talking about and because uh-huh. she's a medical person, right? She doesn't, right. she doesn't know what she's got other than she knows that, you know, it's big, it's worth over a million, whatever. Right. 
That's all she knows. Yeah. I, I would just put some structure around an idea that you have and, and really look in, or in, in yourself to see if it's worth the amount of time that you're going to put into it. Uh, I would structure it in a way that it makes sense for the family and, and you included. Um, I would have a little more talking with her about what it is she really wants. I mean, if it's purely just a family play, well, then that's and likely is what it is. Then really play that up. Um, but uh, look, I'm open if you ever want to talk more about this. Okay, appreciate but, that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it sounds very intriguing and it's it's a trend that's only going up and you got to find out what she wants. And if it's purely just to help the family and, and to get out, well, then create a plan that allows her to, to do that. So, Charlie, maybe, uh, maybe Chris, Charlie, maybe we could put our heads together and then uh, maybe come up with a plan. And I mean, I know that, you know, as far as doing the acquisition, the rest of it, whatever, but you know, coming up with um, the best news, highest and best use <laughs> plan. Yeah. Yeah. The existing business and real estate. If we can come up with that, I think I think we can swing it. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's something that we need to do as soon as we can because you know, yeah, yeah, we got the pieces, we got the pieces, brother. Let's, okay. let, let's let's definitely work that out. I'd love to. I mean, I I've talked with Charlie individually and and Alex. Yeah. You know, now you and I have. Well, actually, more publicly, <laughs> I talked for a good forty-five minutes together too. Thanks for sharing. Sometimes this is what it takes, right? Right time, right. Well, it's hundred percent. I mean, this whole yep. network of people have been connected here. I mean, this is what Royal Legal wanted to create, and and I'm very right. grateful that they've created. Maybe this is uh, a good right place for us to to you know uh, get started and solidify, and you know. Yeah, yeah. But okay. uh, yeah, look. I mean, I, I'm going to say something. I the majority of the day that I spend talking with with investors is, is often not something that I'm personally involved in, and we're just giving each other recommendations. Right. And sometimes we we do business together. So I'm just going to throw that out there, Alex. I'm happy to talk to you about this, and I, I think likely this is just going to be a family thing. But it sounds like something I might be interested in, and you know, providing capital for or figuring something out. So um, let's see. Okay. All right, guys. Okay. All right, guys. Well, we've gone uh, considerably over, but it was great to kind of listen in and even be able to contribute kind of my little two cents. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys in the next group mentoring. Pete had to scoot out. Um, but thank you so much for all of your wisdom and insight. This was great. And I hope hey, you guys have a great week. Hey, Cindy, what a way to get you introduced to the community, huh? So it's dynamic. Yeah. Good deal. See you guys. Thanks, Liz. Okay. Thanks, Jess. See All you. right, guys. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Have a good day. Aloha. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you're feeling overwhelmed with taxes as they relate to your real estate business and investments, or you're unsure if you're doing your accounting correctly, fill out our five-minute quiz. With the information from this quiz, you'll schedule a meeting with a Royal Legal Solutions Advisor who will provide you with powerful tax-saving strategies on your first call. Go to www.royallegalsolutions.com tax to fill it out.